Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Susie Orman here, and you are listening to the Women in Money podcast. Now, this is not your ordinary money podcast, for there is nothing that I do that is ordinary. So if you want to be the powerful woman that you were born to be in every aspect of your life, then you have come to the right place. We are strong. We are wise. We will not apologize. We are here. We will thrive. Together we will rise. With a little bit of faith in everything it takes. We are strong. We are wise. Together we will rise. There it is, Ask Susie Anything. And as I keep saying over and over again, you most certainly do. As many of you may note, as you are sending in your questions, you are getting a response now. I warned you of all this, but you didn't want to listen to me, that there are so many emails coming in that I personally cannot anymore answer every single one of them, or that's all I would be doing 24 hours a day, and I would need more than seven days a week to do so. But I still pick some that I do answer one-on-one. And again, if you write in to Podcast at gmail.com and your question is selected, I will answer it on the air. So you should just keep sending them. You just never know. Now, before I get to the questions that I'm going to answer in this week's podcast, I want to talk to you. So many of you, you are writing in, and here's the question you're asking me. Susie, I have $10,000. What's the best way for me to invest it? Susie, I have $200,000 in my retirement account, and I'm just about to retire. What should I invest it in? Susie, I just inherited money from my parents or my father or mother, whatever, and in an inherited Roth IRA, there's a lot of money in there. Can you tell me exactly what I should do with it? And you keep asking me financial questions about what to do with your money. Do you understand that when you ask somebody what to do with your money, you are setting yourself up, in my opinion, to be absolutely ripped off because that person could say to you, do this, do that, do that, do this. And you're going to say, okay, thank you. A good financial advisor would never tell you what to do with your money until they asked you so many questions about yourself, about your situation, about your job, about your family, everything that it would take an hour, two, or three before they could tell you what to do. When I personally sat behind the desk and I saw clients, and trust me, I saw a lot of clients. 
I would be booked. I never started before 10 a.m. That's because I did research before 10 a.m. But and when I lived on the West Coast anyway, but 10 a.m. in the morning, all the way till eight or nine or 10 at night, I would have clients one after another after another. And that would sound like I saw a lot of people. But it would take me two, two, three hours for each person. So the most that I could see really in one day would be three, possibly four people. That would be it. So I just want to give you a little idea of some of the questions, just some of the questions that I would ask the clients. I would ask them, how old are you? How old's your spouse? Are you healthy? Are you in a good relationship? Do you have kids? If you have kids, what are their ages? Do they have any disabilities? Hey, do they need braces? Do you like your job? Is it a secure job? Are you going to inherit money? Are you going to have to take care of your parents? Does your house need any repairs? How old is your car? How many miles on it? Are you funding a college education? Do you yourself have student loans? Are you going to have a pension? What are your monthly expenses? What do you expect them to be? When you retire, do you have long-term care insurance? What what is the goal of the money you want to invest? If you invested $100,000, how much could you afford to lose? Would you freak if it went from $100,000 to $50,000? What is the social security you can expect? Do you have retirement accounts? Are they Roth or traditional? How much money is invested? What investments do you have? How much life insurance do you have? What kind of life insurance is it? Do you have disability insurance? Do you have health insurance? If you have health insurance, what kind? Does your employer offer a good retirement account? If so, what kind? Do they match? Do they offer an HSA? Do you owe any money? Student loans, credit cards, personal loans, any retirement accounts at old employers? Do you have a will? Do you have a trust? Do you have an advanced directive, a durable power of attorney for health care? And on and on and on. Those are just a few of the questions that I would need to know the answers from before I could tell you what to do with your money. And then you write me and you say to me, I have all this money in a Roth IRA. And I write you back and I go, what's it invested in? And then you write me back and you know what you say to me? Mutual funds. And I write you back and I go, what kind of mutual funds? And then you write me back and you say, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? That means you don't know where your money happens to be invested. That is just crazy, people. So do you understand why I can't answer those questions? And it's just something that you should think about. All right, let's start. This one is from Dana. This one's sad. Hello, my name is Dana, and I have a question. First of all, she says, I'm not sure if this is really Susie replying, but I have a question. Dana, it's Susie replying. It's me. I was recently diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and I am unsure if I should work as much as possible for as long as possible to pay down my debt for my family. I turned 50 this year and want to know, do I continue to work or should I be making memories with my kids ages 22 and 19 while I'm here? I have about $17,000 in credit cards and about 18000 in car debt. I know I need a will, but I don't have much. So... Do I work as many hours as possible to pay down debt, or will it go away when I pass so memories are what I should concentrate on? 
any guidance would be appreciated. Thankful for all I have and wishing and praying for more time only. Ah, Dana, it's, you know, so sad, right? Here you are, obviously facing the last days or months or years of your life, and you're worried about, should you work more to pay down the debt or work on memories with the kids? Well, you know how I'm going to answer that, right? You should work on memories with the kids, especially if death is close. Your debt will disappear when you die. So any credit card debt that you have or whatever, make sure you instruct your kids, do not pay that debt. That debt dies with you. As far as the car goes, hopefully they don't need that car, but that debt, they may repossess that car, but let them have it. Who cares? If I were you, I would make sure that I took care of myself in every possible way because you never know when things can turn around. You never know. And I would absolutely spend this time with my kids. You know, I wanted to read Dana's question to you because I know we never think it's going to happen to us. We know we never think we're going to get sick or ill or be in an accident. And therefore, it's always okay to spend the money that we have. We get a pay raise and all of a sudden now we're driving a fancier car we have a pay raise or a bonus or coming in and all of a sudden we decide, oh, I can afford to go on that vacation even though I have credit card debt, I have debt, I have this, I have that. And things happen. These are things you need to think about and make the most out of every single penny why you can. Next one is from Roxanne. My husband is completely uninterested in finances and is financially risk averse. This is the opposite dynamic that you describe in your podcast. I have the financial independence that I am seeking, but I worry about his finances. He has not opened a 401k with his job, nor doesn't understand the need for an emergency fund. Money or lack of money has never been an issue for him or his family. As we prepare to start our family, I am worried about our financial future for our children if something were to happen to me. Do you have any advice? Roxanne, it makes me wonder when you say here that money or lack of money has never been an issue for him or his family, does that mean that he comes from a really wealthy family and that one day he's going to inherit a whole lot of money? Or does that mean that money or lack of money meaning the fact that they didn't have it, never been an issue. They just didn't care. And for some reason, I think it's the second interpretation of they just didn't care. So therefore, I'm going to answer this question, assuming that they didn't have money, it wasn't an issue for them, and they just didn't care that they didn't have money. All right, if you are going to have children, and you are going to stay married to this man, then therefore what you need to do is to make sure that you have a serious term life insurance policy on you protecting your children in case of your death. 
And rather than leaving that money to your husband, I would have it go to a living revocable trust where you appointed a successor trustee as the person to take care of that money, to take care of it for who? For your children. So I would set up everything so that the kids were the beneficiary of everything I had going again to a living revocable trust where there is a successor trustee, meaning that when you die, another person that you have appointed steps in and makes the decisions with that money. And I would tell your husband that's exactly what you are going to do with everything, your 401k, everything. And see what he says then. But here is another concern of mine. You stay with him. Now, you've set up the trust. You have a life insurance policy, but you don't die. And now you are getting more and more aggravated because it's not just about his 401k or emergency fund. It's about you need more money to take care of your kids, to fund their college education, to do all those things, and he is not contributing. And he is just continuing to spend money and to be irresponsible, and now it's starting to make you angry. And remember, anger is the main internal obstacle to wealth. The wealth not only of money, but the wealth of a relationship. And so I have to tell you, I really think this is a warning sign. And until you resolve it, I am not sure that I would bring kids into a situation where you and your husband do not see eye to eye on money. Because what have I asked you all to do? I have asked you to substitute the word life for money. So if you don't see eye to eye on money, you do not see eye to eye on life. Think about that one, girlfriend. Okay, let's talk about babies since we were just talking about babies. From Cassandra, hi Susie, we are expecting baby number two and I am planning on taking three months off for maternity leave. Currently, I am putting any additional cash we have left over at the end of the month in a savings account to cover expenses during maternity leave. In December, when I return back to work, we are planning on starting to pay off all our debts. My question for you, do we start paying off the bills that were sent to collections first, or should we pay off the bills that have not been turned into collections first? Oh, Cassandra, and I was so proud. I was thinking, yeah, girlfriend, you're saving money and you're putting it into a savings account to cover the cash while you have maternity leave. And now you tell me that you have money in collections and all of these things. And I'm like, really? So here's the thing, right? If you have bills that are in collections already. Those would not be the bills that I paid off first. Because when a bill already goes into collection, it has already done damage to your FICO score, your credit score. And if you pay off that bill, it will not help your FICO score at all. Now, I'm not telling you not to pay it. I'm just telling you don't pay it first. Make sure that you have all your credit cards that are not in collection. Debt that you have that is not in collections, you make sure you pay those bills on time and first, and after they are paid off, then deal with the bills that are in collection. 
With that said, however, you did not tell me how long these bills have been in collections. Please remember that every debt that is in collections, there is a statute of limitation according to your state. And if you owe this money and you are now past that statute of limitation, sometimes it's three years, four years, five years, then legally the collection agency cannot come after you for that debt. So just check the statute of limitations before you do anything, number one. And number two, if you say you are going to pay any amount of money on a bill that's in collection, the statute of limitation starts all over again. If you send in a check for whatever amount of money to any bill that's in collections, the statute of limitation starts all over again. It's something you should know. Next one is from Jamie. She says, Susie, we want to buy a house, but we wondered should we save money for an emergency fund and pay off more debt first? We do not currently have an emergency fund. We just paid off over half my debt. Please let me know. You may be listening to me and you may be wondering, why is Susie keep talking on this podcast about people who owe money and have debt and who want to buy a home kids, whatever it may be, because the majority of you have debt. And the majority of you are asking me these questions here. And I don't want you to make the mistakes that these people would have made if they hadn't written in, Jamie, you listen to me. You cannot go ahead and buy a house if you don't even have an emergency fund and you have debt. If you have credit card debt and you don't have an emergency fund, that means what? That means you have more money going out than you have coming in. After you have paid off any debt that you have right now, you need an emergency fund. Why? Because when you purchase a home, and hopefully you will purchase a home with at least 20% down, all right, maybe 10% in some cases, but at least 10%. And so now you've put up all of this money as a down payment, and now you don't have an emergency fund and you get sick. Did you hear the very first question that I answered on the podcast today? Oh, method to my madness. The method being things can go wrong. You can get ill. You can be in an accident. And now you can't work anymore, so you cannot pay the mortgage on this home anymore. You'll be okay in maybe six months, seven months, hopefully, but for that amount of time, you can't pay. If you have an emergency fund that includes your mortgage payment, your utility payment, your whatever it is you have to pay every single month, not movies, not restaurants, but the must-have expenses that must be met then you're not going to be in trouble of possibly losing your home to foreclosure and losing the 10 or 20% that you put down. So do not be stupid. Do not just think, oh, I want to buy a home and the lenders are going to lend me money to buy a home. So that means I can afford to buy a home. It's like you thinking that you have money in the bank because you have checks in your checkbook. It doesn't work that way. Just because you get a mortgage 
just because you can purchase a home. You need to know that you have the money to keep that home if you no longer have income coming in. And when I see that you have debt, when I see you don't have an emergency fund, I see that you are heading for trouble. So no, you are not to buy a home until you have your credit card debt paid off, until you have an eight-month emergency fund, and you can put at least 10%, preferably 20% down, and you know that your job is secure. Do you hear me, girlfriend? And I'll feisty there, didn't I? All right, let's do one more, one more today. And let's end with a man from Glenn. Hello, Susie. My name is Glenn. I was the first one in my family to go to college, as was my wife. What I remember about the school loans is that I had three and my wife had two. The whole debt fell on us. Anyway, we are both about 50 years old and I have a daughter going to college now and a son in two years. We filled out the FAFSA, and according to that, we are responsible for 75% of our daughter's college tuition and room and board, or $15,000 a year. Now, I imagine that will hold true when my son goes to school as well. So when we're 58 years old and near retirement, We'll be in the hole for 120000 plus. I've asked financial advisors about it and how I don't think it's right. They just blink at me and smile and say, refinance your mortgage and take out the equity. Thanks, Glenn. Glenn, you and your spouse took out student loans and you paid them back. Why? Why are you not allowing your kids to do the exact same thing? At 58, you want to be $120,000 in debt to send your kids to school? I don't think so, boyfriend. And taking out the equity in your home is not the answer. By the time you retire, remember, I want you to have your home paid off in full. So is that in seven years? After you're 58, will you work till 70? But you're not going to be able to do that and do what? Pay off $120,000 of student loans. I don't think so. So I think it's time that you sat down with your kids, even the one that's in school, and say, I don't know how we're going to do this. We have to come together as a family, and I have to figure this out with you either you have to go to community college, either you have to go somewhere, or you need to take out student loans. So if it's $15,000, why aren't they taking out direct loans? Maybe you take out a loan for 7,500 or whatever, but I would not be taking on at your age $120,000 of debt to send my kids to college. No way. That's a wrap for Ask Susie Anything today.
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.